0: It can be lonely to be a founder, you know, I'm sure there are people listening that it just feel like they've got like 19 problems. And they're the only one that cares about it. And it does not have to be that way. Frankly, it cannot be that way, because that's not a sustainable model, you know, so that is one of the huge benefits of investing in building a team. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the
1: Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get
0: ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school.
1: Hey, Nate, we're approaching the end of season one of our podcast here, this grand experiment. And there is a topic that's been on my mind that i really wanna do an episode on. And I wanted to fit this in right before we kind of finish up here in a week or two. And um, it it just has to do with how BMF scaled over the last 12 years. Uh, It would be impossible for you to run a school, even with a co-owner that's equally responsible without having some heavy duty support people. And we've talked about your marketing team and we've talked about, you know, admin and directors of communication and and et cetera, but we have not talked about a very crucial role in your school yet. Um, And that is the department heads. And once again, I've had people reach out and ask, Hey, what did Nate mean when he said that? So I'm going to stop talking here. Could you jump in and just start telling us about the department head role at Brooklyn Music Factory?
0: Absolutely, and 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 let's just put it in very simple terms at, at first. Before we get into the specifics of each role and the responsibility, which is that as a small business grows from say three or four or five people, including the founder, once you start passing the line of ten, it was it was taught to me that once you get over twelve humans in on the job that are all trying to collaborate and work. It doesn't matter if they're contractors, it doesn't matter if they're remote, it doesn't matter if they're on site. doesn't matter if they're a teacher versus the front desk person. Once you get over this magic number of 12, you have to start reorganizing. And what I mean by reorganizing is that if a communication becomes much less efficient, Right, It it becomes hard for everyone to just listen in and all know what you're doing as a school. So you begin to put in sort of that, like this is where the term manager comes in, or in what we're talking about today, a department head or a department director. That's what we call it. And so now teachers have someone other than the founder that they can look to, to ask questions, share concerns, get guidance, etc. So at Brooklyn Music Factory, we really never thought too much about directors. It was just my, my partner, who was the band director, and I was the private lesson director. And basically, that was the whole company. You know, we had private lesson students. We had band students. Pira was responsible for all of those customers. I was responsible for all of these customers. And right. then as we grew, for example, we added a camp, which started serving 2, three, four, five, 600 students a year. And so Pira moved over to camp director, which left a void. Hmm right? Um, so, and the reason behind all of this, so if you're listening, you're like, wait, I need to hire directors for all my departments tomorrow. You first ask yourself, how big is your program? How many employees yeah. do you have? How many t- people are trying to collaborate on something once?
1: Well, that was gonna be my first question. Uh, at what point did you hire that first director? How many students did you have? What was the size of the school, et cetera, et cetera?
0: I have such clear memories of this because it required me giving up my private lesson director position, and it required my partner Pira giving up her band director position. So um, we did that when we were at about eighteen to twenty employees, including administrative support. You know, yes. our bookkeeper, etc. And so when it's, I think the first, I think my partner. Um, first moved on
1: from band director. And so that was probably five years into the business. Did you measure this more in number of employees, not number of students? Because I asked in a certain way, but you answered it differently. Totally measured it in number of employees. Interesting. Why?
0: Because of that, uh, what I was first sort of um, insinuating, which is that as you grow the number of employees, thing, chaos can reign. Right? Every, every teacher can just start doing it their own way or you, you lose connections with um, the families because as, the, as, as teachers start taking on more and more families and your program grows a little bit, um, then as a director, one of your key responsibilities is that you're there to set vision, to set clear goals for the department, but also to be available when things don't go according to plan. So Hmm. if a parent needs to talk to someone and it's not working to talk to the teacher, they go to the director. So yeah, I measured it in number of employees because you're essentially trying to organize a whole group of people to head towards a specific point in the future together. You're all trying
1: to row at roughly the same cadence in the same direction. Okay. Yeah. So What, what are the department head roles that BMF currently has? Can you just list those off? That's a great question. So we're smaller than we were in
0: 2019 as a company right now in terms of number of employees. So we have fewer directors. We have a private lesson director. We have a camp director. um, We have a director of uh, families and communication. That's sort of what you'd consider administrative director. So um, that's my wife, Jessica. So for example, she she leads the marketing and sales meeting. Um, She's always at the all-staff meeting representing as sort of like the logistical, operational, Head. Um, And then we have me. And I'm basically defined as sort of a CEO. So basically, you have camp director, you have private lesson director, you have, um, let's just say, director of administration, because that's a simpler term. And they all essentially report to me. I mean, Who, who yeah. did you have back in 2019 that you don't have now? Yeah, great question. We do not currently have a band director, because that was one of the programs we shrunk in anticipation of our grand opening that's happening this fall. So we will be bringing on a band director in the fall. Hmm. Um, we, in 2019, we actually split the band director role out by age range. We decided that we wanted a director for ages four through eight. And then we wanted an ages nine to 17 director in the group class program because it's such a different part of th- those musicians' journeys. And, and, and the skill set necessary to manage a family, a parent who has a five-year-old Versus mm. a parent who has a fifteen-year-old is quite different, mm. right? You're communicating something very
1: different to those parents because those parents mm. are in a very different chapter in parenting. Yeah. Well, what else did, were there any other roles that you had in 2019 that you don't have now?
0: Yeah. So one of the things we've experimented with over the years is we experimented with specific instrument department heads, okay. so like a drum department head, um, guitar, bass head, uh, voice department head, piano. We actually found that to be too much. Okay. Yeah. So instead what we have is sort of what we call now department representatives. So Mm -hmm. basically it's like, it's much less responsibility managerial, right? In other words, they're not running a voice department meeting every um, month. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead, what they're doing is just being very mindful of the curriculum and the methods being used to help our voice students get to, through the songwriting journey. Mm. Uh, from one songwriting party to the next. So
1: it's a, it's, it's less responsibility. Did you, uh, and I could be off base here, did you have a marketing director and now you don't? Yes, so we did yeah. um, in
0: 2019. And I have taken on that. I see. Okay. So, so over the last couple of years, I've acted as a marketing director. I absolutely have, I have an SEO person and I have a Google Ads person who report to me and those are contractors. Those are not on. They're, they're not on site. They're mm. remote workers now, uh, remote employees rather. Um, but in terms of setting the marketing vision, that became folded into my role as CEO.
1: Okay. So I want this. I'd love for this episode to be equally helpful to someone who's aspiring to this, but also equally helpful to someone who already has a larger school, mm-hmm. um, and you know maybe they already have experience doing this and uh but there's value in learning what others are doing um you know i'm running a business of a certain size but i mastermind with other people who have similar businesses or similar size and i get great ideas from them all the time oh i can't believe i didn't think of that what for, for the for the school owner that already has a fairly sizable studio or maybe has some department heads um what is a hack or a tip that you would give to them to uh to say, hey, here's how you can level up something you already have in place. Great question. Let's say you have a school that's uh, 250
0: to 350 students. You have uh, you're not directing all traffic. You have another director. Let's say you have a um, you know a private lesson director, or you have a group class. Like let's say you're rocking, you know, Daniel, your group piano class, and so there's that that might be 80 students in your school, so you need help there. Um, a really simple hack. Well, I'm going to give two simple steps you can take right now. Number one, make sure that there's a clear meeting rhythm that that person is in charge of. Number two, make sure that the two of you define what the agenda is going to be and what success is going to be defined as from that meeting. Number three, make sure that that director, sorry, I'm giving three, make sure that that director has a clear monthly check in with you where they give their definition of what's worked and what hasn't. At BMF, we have what we call a big three. Um, I'm literally reading, I'll read you Ben's, who's our private lesson director. His big three has three categories, communication, which says, "Are am I ensuring that all private lesson faculty are communicating consistently with families? Second one, he has... Uh, Let's see. Resources. Am I setting goals, prioritizing and allocating resources for all private lesson departments? When we say resources, we mean like unique Brooklyn music factory teaching method resources. Yep. Dig it. Music games, all that. Yeah. yeah all that stuff. Uh, finally, community, because that's central to our whole mission and purpose. He just says, am I creating opportunities for students and faculty to come together and celebrate accomplishments? Am I retaining faculty, right? So he's got these very specific community. They sound large and abstract, but no, every month I can ask him, what are you doing to bring faculty and families together to celebrate their accomplishments? And so, you know, we talked about in a previous episode, this idea of the musician's journey reports. That is a classic example of Ben's communication measure of success and community measure of success. Mm-hmm. and resources. It's a trifecta. Um, so, so yeah, those are just simple things. And, and if you have questions like, wait, what are the agendas, Nate, that you guys do at BMF? Just reach out. Yeah. Ping us. Just email and be like, hey, I'd love to learn more about
1: it. Yeah. So many of the episodes in this first season, at least a third came from people hearing something one of us said offhand and said, hey, could you go into that more? Um, the, the episode we had a couple of weeks ago about Musician's Journey Report was a perfect example of that. Uh, of someone who reached out had a particular question about something you said offhand, and 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 it came from that. So Nate, it sounds like the first two uh, department head roles that were created were for private lesson and band, and you and your co-founder retained those. You handed those off. Uh, maybe you already said it once. in The episode was the what was the next what was the next one that was created?
0: Mm, yeah. So, so an important. Um... We okay, so so my partner Pira moved from band director. camp yes. director. That's right. You already said that. My fault. But what's interesting? I mean, it's a great question because we need to understand that in um, in the essence of a director role is ownership over the vision for the department and how it measures success, both in terms of you know the student success, but also how it. Uh, the financial success for the company, mm. right? So this is important because a director position, all of a sudden, now you're in sort of like the quote C-suite. Yes, <laughs> you're thinking about the overall health of Brooklyn Music Factory when you're in that director position. I talk, you know, you know Ben's our private lesson director. Ben is sits in on meetings that are about the annual priorities of the company. And those annual priorities of the company include enrollment targets, they include financial targets, they include profitability targets. He's sitting in on those. He's linking his success within his department to those larger goals as a small business, as a company, right? So that's one of the clear differentiators. And when you ask, well, what was the next director position you created? Um, well, we did a camp one because camp was it became a priority for Brooklyn Music Factory. So, oftentimes, um, Daniel, uh, we mm-hmm. get questions from people: Should I do a sh- Should I do a summer camp? You know, should I? Wh- maybe I should institute a group lesson um, program. You know, group piano class program. I mean, I've heard you talk about it. It sounds good. Look, mm-hmm. those are not small questions, right? Those are visionary questions. When you say, hey, I think I might want to adopt or I want to build a group piano class or I want to build a summer camp, what you want to actually be asking is, am I in it for the long haul? Is this going to become a pillar of the company? In other words, Mm -hmm. camp has grown to become as much as 33% of our gross revenue. Yeah. Well, of course, there's going to be a director position. And my business partner, she's a founder, yet she also has a big three. There is very clear definitions of success. She has very clear sales targets. She has very clear metrics that she tries to meet as a director of that program. In addition, she runs an amazing camp where students have an incredible experience and write original songs every day of the week. Yeah. Right? So... It's clear when we talk about a director position, it's not just to take work off your back as a founder. It's because you as a founder have set a clear vision for this program that you want to
1: become a pillar of your company. Okay. So that's an entire episode right there. Let's not get into that. Okay. Not that you were implying you were going there. I I I think the interesting question then would be, how do you identify someone in your school to step up and take this role?
0: Okay. I love that question. I want to tell a little story. I just... uh, One of our former directors, Jason, I think we talked about him in an early episode for the season. We talked about how to increase um, enrollment quickly. Anyways, Jason was our band director for years. Became a really close friend. We stay in touch. We just had lunch and we went on a long walk together about a week ago. On that walk, I was like, hey, dude, I'm about to hire a new... Band director. We're about to start the search, right? And we're going to bring someone on to direct the department. And I'm wondering if you could summarize in hindsight what are the most important um, responsibilities for you as a band director, right? What, What do you remember being essential? Like, if you were to strip away everything else, this is the thing that you had to bring to the table to succeed as a band director. Um, and so I'm gonna read you because I literally just wrote it in my Evernote after he shared it. And I was like, dude, I gotta write this down because it just it's just money in the bank. I love this. This is great. Yeah, he said, he said, first of all, the parent, you are the parent curriculum communicator. We can hashtag that sucker, the parent curriculum communicator and troubleshooter when there are parent issues. Right? When the when the parent needs someone other than the teacher. Or an administrator to talk to, you're the person. Secondly, your real time support for the teacher in the classroom, right? He said you can't take for granted that a teacher is going to come in and know classroom management out of the gate. Sure, sometimes you're going to hire a classroom teacher that's going to have great management skills, etc. But he's like, that was one of the first things that he realized as director, And his, he was a mentor. He went in to classrooms all the time to support other teachers. Who had issues? They had a student that they just didn't know how to redirect in a positive way. right? So you're um, either helping with, with management issues or you're helping with you know curriculum issues for the teachers. Um, secondly, you're essentially the monthly teacher training for the stages of development in that program. So in his case, he's like, in the band program, you had a four-year-old who came into mini keys. Then they graduated as a six year old to jam band. Then they graduated as an eight year old into another, into our rock, write, and record program. As the director, you're the one who clearly defines for the teachers what it looks like for a mini key to finish year one, year two, jam band 101, or to year one and year two. You have to just constantly hammer that message. This is where your students will be in a year. Mm. Real students would be in two years. And then the third and final thing is this is like honestly, it's just accountability. You're constantly reminding the teachers of the mile markers. Wow. This is where you're gonna be in six months. This is where you're gonna be in three months, one month. Here we are. How'd you do? Hmm. So that's it. That's the entire Evernote.
1: I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. We look forward to answering your questions. This might feel a little bit off topic, but in the greater context of what you're talking about here, something's really occurring to me. I often hear, and this is more true of school owners who are kind of at the beginning of their journey or they haven't really grown the school to a large size yet. Well, why would a teacher want to work for me? Why wouldn't they just go out and teach on their own? In hearing what you just said about Jason or what his comments were, how could Jason do that alone? Uh, This actually betrays... a a perspective change that needs to happen in that school owner so that they actually can grow to a large size. It betrays the idea that, Oh, I think I'm just delivering lessons. I'm delivering instruction. No, what Jason's getting in that role is something he can never get alone, which is um, in leading that department. He's actually leading a team of people who have a vision for how a whole group of kids are going to, are are, are are going to progress in their musical journey. And he has support and team around him to do things so that he can focus solely on a few really critical roles in the school versus the solopreneur teacher, the the the, the, the by themselves teacher that has to handle all those roles themselves. And I think the the perspective that that needs to change it, if someone wants to grow is that. If you give someone a limited number of tasks and roles to fulfill, they're going to have so much more focus and drive and energy to execute on those things. It's very clear that Jason really owned that role and, and from the sounds of it did a really good job in it, but he could never have done that on his own. He needed all those people around him.
0: Yeah. And it's so it's, it's, it's really wise. And I think the um, hesitancy that I hear are we here often in in owners that have smaller programs? Is the idea that if I bring someone on, number one, I'll have, have to invest resources and I'm nervous about investing dollars into someone. And number two, I'm nervous that it's just gonna make even more work for me because now I have to manage a director, right? Yeah. And so you're highlighting this essential point, which there's gotta be a mindset shift if you want to grow your school and you want to grow your school into a sustainable model, right? You don't want to just grow rapidly and then be freaking out working 70-hour weeks, right? You want to grow into a model that is energizing and sustainable for you. Then you're going to have to make that shift that you're not going to do it alone. You are going to bring on some others. And when you bring on those others, the two of you, let's say you bring on just one other director. Let's say you bring on a private lesson director. You're going to just act as CEO, founder, and you're going to bring on a private lesson director. The two of you are going to invest a solid year into discovering how to define as clearly as Jason and I did what that director role is going to look like for your program, right? So when, when Jason said things like, clear mile markers of where they needed to be. Let's just put that into real terms. We had band parties twice a year. A lot of our listeners have band parties, right? Those are the mile markers. But it's that Jason would define, okay, we're six months away from the band party. This is what you should be doing in your, in your program. We're three months away from the band pro- party. How are you doing? Now, when you get to the band party, he's there Equally invested in all, in the case of BMF, we'd have like 28 bands playing over a course of a day. You know, he's equally invested in all the bands and mm-hmm. whether or not they realize the vision of the program mm-hmm. versus the teacher who's invested in her four bands. Right. That's the key mindset shift. So, as you as a founder are ready to bring on a director, you're bringing on someone who you're saying, hey, I believe you could be as equally invested as I am in every student in your department, you know? And so, yeah, there's no way like Jason's, can't do it alone. He needed me. He needed my partner. He needed the teachers. This, the, the, the whole, the whole idea of growth comes from building a team, Hmm. right? It's just like, so yeah, they need them, but you as a founder also need to be like, wait, I'm ready to actually invest in a director and I'm ready to let go of me being the only person who
1: feels like they believe in this thing we're building. Interesting. Uh, I think I only have one more question and then you have some additional thoughts that you wanted to share before we we sign off here. I think my last question, um, and I'll set this up a little bit of a story when uh, I'm going to reference something I actually said in a previous episode, when I brought on my very first really key employee, uh, within six months, I could directly attribute tens of thousands of dollars of additional, not revenue but profit as a result of bringing that person on. Um and the long term effect of that was, I mean, on the back of one or two key hires I made, I doubled um, what was already a multi six figure business. That's a good ROI on a really key hire. I'm curious, what do you see as the ROI of these department head roles? It, was this mm-hmm. what brought, you know, BMF to be nearly a $2 million school pre-pandemic um, on the, on the, on the backs of these people Um on, on the talent and the drive and the camaraderie and the collaboration. Uh, I'm sure there are other things, but what do you see as the ROI of these roles?
0: Yeah. So the first one is exactly what you're, you're looking at right now in your example, at grow, which is that um, if you as a founder have a clear direction and a, spa- and a place you want to get to, whether it be a gross revenue or an enrollment target, those are very closely linked usually, um, or a retention target of students, then yeah, that's the first ROI that you're going to put at the top of that. You're going to just say that. I'm going to start building a team of directors, and the return on that investment is going to be that these directors and myself, we work as a team to reach, you know, a million dollars in gross revenue or whatever your target is, $500,000 in revenue. Okay. I would say that that is actually the, the most straightforward ROI um you invest in front up front it costs you now but you have a lasting return on that okay i would say though that there is a more nuanced roi that i have felt mm. and that is that when you bring on directors it forces you to get hyper clear about a couple things yes yeah number oh. one yeah, it forces you to get clear about exactly what you're going to offer at your school. You know, not, we don't, it's like, not, I'm going to offer everything. So I'm just going to get a director of everything. You're like, I'm offering a group class program for ages four to eight, and I'm bringing on a director to grow that program. So, number one, it gives you hyper clarity on what is your product suite? What is it that you're actually going to promise? And how are you going to deliver on that promise? The second thing is that it just forces you as a founder to be so clear and so consistent in your messaging as to the why behind your school. Because you're never going to get investment from a director if you're like, huh, what do you think, dude? What do you think we do? And why do we do it? Do you think we should be a rock school or do you think we should be like a group classical piano program? It
1: always comes back to this,
0: 100%. It totally does, dude. But the thing is, Daniel, is I have like, you know, I'm I'm for sure going to communicate with uh, uh, at least two directors today, just in Slack. And I'm always going to cite some, ver- some aspect of our purpose in that communication. Mm-hmm. Hey, Greg, he's like our contract director. Greg, man, I'm loving what you're doing with this new game. Dude, it's so badass that you're focused on the rhythm fluency because I think we need more rhythm games to help develop our fluency-first approach. Mm. That'll be my slack to him. But notice, it's totally like a purpose-focused, hammering the message of a fluency-first, game-based approach. Meanwhile, I'm just saying, dude, you're doing an awesome job. I love what you're creating. Keep doing what you're doing. You know, So I feel like when you start to build your team, it actually gets you to work much harder on your role as a founder and as a messenger. Um, And as someone who points very clearly to where you're going every year.
1: Yeah. Yes. I think the only thing I would add on to that is that there there are these little wake-up call moments you have As you expand your team, where now you actually have a person who can, well, or a a group of people that can double, triple, quadruple your output because it's their output now. And one thing that I found over the years, and I don't know if we want to file this under the category of a hack or whatever, or a lesson learned. Or hey, kids, this is a warning. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> this is a warning. Is that things I thought for years? Oh, once I have the help, I'm gonna totally do that. Yes. And then I would, and then I got the help, and then I did it, and I realized I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have been doing that. And so, and now I'm actually paying someone to do something that shouldn't be done.
0: Mm, and and yeah. I think
1: I think this goes right to your comment about it forces you to get more. Uh, clear, more purposeful, but actually it doesn't, um, it doesn't by default. Yes. You will either learn the hard way or you will be clear. And and I think this is a place, and, and Nate, I want to turn it over to you before we end here, if you have anything additional to say, but this is where I want to say that I was looking at all the things we could have talked about. We 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 make, Nate and I make these big shared documents of all the things we possibly could talk about. We didn't even get into um, deeper things around identifying uh, the kinds of people, how you hire those people, how you interview those people, what they do from day to day, um, how as a school owner, you coach them in that role, uh, the legal ramifications of having them in your school, what their responsibility, like we scratched the surface here. And and once again, I just want to say that we Nate and I have taken a small group of school owners, Um, and have created a place where we actually are going into the depths of these things. And if this sounds like something that would be incredibly valuable to you, I think you should just reach out to us and we can tell you a little bit more about that. It's not something that we've trumpeted up to this point, but I think it's something that as we get more and more questions where people are saying, well, what about this? What about that? This is important to you. Just reach out. Um, And and, and we're happy to to, uh, talk a little bit more about that. But Nate, uh, any other thoughts before we go?
0: Um, two, one is I loved your last comment there that I've experienced this. I've discovered that, well, actually we didn't need to do those six things. Right. We only needed to do those three things as director. And in fact, when I had that conversation with Jason, it was because I didn't want to make a mistake in the hiring process. Yeah. I wanted to hire only the essential role. And I also wanted to hire someone that I could bring in. Maybe I don't need someone full time. Maybe that person can do exactly that job, but you know, twenty hours a week, ten hours, right? So, is there an opportunity to help my budget a little bit if I just am much more intentional about hiring the next band director, right? Um, and also, you know, not adding um, work on there that's unnecessary. Nobody wants to do unnecessary. Nobody wants to be busy. For the sake of being busy, you know, Um, I would, the last point I'll make is this, is that it's, it can be friggin' lonely to be a founder. You know, I'm sure there are people listening that it just feel like they've got like 19 problems and they're the only one that cares about them. Yeah. And it does not have to be that way frankly, it cannot be that way because that's not a sustainable model. Just, you know, so that is one of the huge benefits of investing in building a team. Yep. Because you're no longer trying to solve every puzzle together. Notice how Jason said, he said, the director is someone who can talk to the parent when the teacher and the administrators are not enough. Well, guess who it usually falls on? The founder, the school owner. Mm. Like, if something goes off the rails, who's the last line of defense? It's us, right? It doesn't have to be. There are people, if you do this right, who will care as deeply as you do about their department. Mm. So, that's the last thing I'll say is that, you know, at Brooklyn Music Factory, we're in a rebuilding of the team phase right now. We're literally. Hiring, we're going to have hired like seven new employees by the fall because we have this amazing new space opening in Brooklyn, right? I am well aware of the investment for the next year in those new employees into creating the depth of community and culture and camaraderie. But I'm also well aware of the value of that for me personally of just how much value I'll get out of showing up there on a Friday afternoon and hanging out in the community room with this amazing group of directors and teachers and the desk people. and all—that's That is just so, so good for me because I don't want to be doing this alone. I don't want to be out there just on my own feeling like I'm putting out every fire and I'm the last line of defense. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.